podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Scarlet Supporters Podcast. You can contact us on all the usual social media platforms or you can email us on scarletspems at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Scarlet Supporters Podcast with me, Lee G, and joining me as always is Big M and Hugh. Good evening, gentlemen. How are we? Evening, lads. I'm, I'm good, good over here. How are you? Yeah, Martin. <laughs> Martin's happy that I remembered his, his nickname this week. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to get you a nickname, Hugh. We'll have to get Hugh uh, uh, a, a catchy podcast name. I've never, I've never really had one, not even going through school. So you'll be the first. What, like a good nickname? One. No nickname? Yeah. No, never. Not really. Oh, that's, oh, well, that's that's my time occupied for the next week, <laughs> <laughs> working out a nickname for you. So uh, so how's your week been this week, gentlemen? How's, uh, how's life? How's life? Oh, you know, it's always, always hard out with me, you know, 5,000 5, kids. It's always the same. But uh, so you haven't increased you know, the you haven't increased the baby count over the last couple of weeks, have you? No, no, no. The uh, the sterilisation has still worked, as far as we know. <laughs> but uh, well, it's failed a couple of times before, so less 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 said about that the better, I think. But no, um, uh, my two year old, she um, she shocked everyone the other day. We were uh, just you know in her play centre. She came over, never spoken like anything before like few babble words and she just screams at us I need chicken and oh my god it, it just broke <laughs> us all down I mean she's just, she's just joined me by you it, it, it's, it's brilliant perfect timing well Lee has officially abandoned us and uh, he's put himself on mute so uh, you know I guess we can't use Mrs. Screaming at him now no no is it pro- probably for the best anyway shall I tell you how my week has been and kill a bit of time yeah let's go for it go on all right, so uh, so I play the bass in a band. It's just my dad's band. It's just a it's just a, a little folk thing that we do sometimes. And we got uh, my dad got a gig booked for last Friday um, up in by where he lives. So I live in the Midlands. He lives up in the northeast. Uh, sorry, northwest. Um, so I've uh, I didn't really know what it was. So he sent me the list of songs. It was mostly songs we've done before. So I jump in the car, drive up. I get there, loads into the venue, it's all normal. There's clearly a place where all the band's supposed to be set up, but I don't really know what the do is. So I'm like, okay, I'll just play the songs and see what's happening. It seems like a reasonably posh do. So I'm thinking, all right, I'll just go with it. So we set up and it it all seems to be going okay. I notice everyone's going round with a glass of champagne. So I'm like, oh, it must be like a birthday or something. It must be someone someone's thing, right? So I have a wander through. I um, find the bar. So I'm like, oh, I'll have a glass, please. And he's like, yeah, no brother. Pours it for me. I gets it. And then I, I'm about to drink and he goes, that's three quid, mate. And I'm like, oh, right, okay. Uh, right, I thought it was, I thought it would be a free bar, but okay. And so I'm like, I hold up my cards. And he's like, that's oh, cash only. I'm like, right, okay. Well, I, I haven't got any cash on me, mate. And he's like, all right, just, just take it. You're playing in the band, just take it. And I'm like, oh, okay, right, I'm sorry. I go and take it, sit down. We all sit down and there's a speech to begin the, the do with. The woman comes up at the front and goes, we're all here tonight in aid of charity and every pound taken tonight will be going to charity. And I'm like, <laughs> shit, I've just robbed a charity. I've just robbed a, a drink <laughs> off a charity. Oh, brilliant. Oh, oh, yeah. oh God. Just like, Always knew you were a bit dodgy. Yeah. No one told me. <laughs> I didn't know what the gig was for. I just turned up, oh, just play it. Yeah, typical bass player. Oh, I'll just do what the guitar player tells me to do. Do you get your old man to pay you for you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet that was an awkward conversation. Look, I'm, yeah. I've just stolen this drink from the bar. Um, You know, would you mind going yeah. back and picking for me? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, Dad, you got any cash? And he's, no, and my dad actually just went, hey, did you not get me one? Oh. <laughs> oh, the cheap. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So that was my week. So then, mate, shall we have a bit of a, a bit of a chinwag about the rugby while we wait for Lee to come back? I've got this one terrorising me a sec. 
but you could see the vocabulary coming off of that one then. So for her to come out and just you know, decide she wants chicken, it made me maybe laugh. It made me really happy. Oh, why did why did she want chicken? What kind of chicken did she want? I don't know. Um, we just got we just got like fried chicken from the nearest place, like, and she was like so happy with the chips. So <laughs> you can't win. Just put it in front oh. of her, and he's like, I'll, "I'll have the chips, please. I don't want the chicken." Like Jesus Christ, is absolutely well, brilliant. Some of the things they come out with. Yeah, I I don't have kids, but I'm told people tell me that uh, there's a nightmare getting kids to eat anything. So depends so do you, do you on. Do you not find that? No, not at all. <laughs> but, I mean, we had a stage with um, our older. She's 14 now. Where you know school school's fault. You know she's she's not like me on the message. She's an absolute twig. And I mean, she is unbelievably skinny. And um, when she was like six or seven, they took her BMI in school and told her she was overweight. And they measured that right. And oh my god, like she wouldn't even eat a Fredo. And it, it was it was a few years battle in that. But you know, outside of that, no, all of the kids will they eat what you put in front of them, what they starve basically, and they've learned that, like. Uh, there, there was a time where I would, you know, panda and I'd, uh, you know, okay, we'll do something else, we'll do something else or whatever. But nah, it's just it's as soon as you get the three kids, it's like you, you just can't be doing that. <laughs> and, you know, it's no yeah. good for them anyway. Yeah. None of them go veggie because my, my girlfriend's a veggie. So I cooked spag bowl last night. I had to cook two, meat one, veggie one. Oh, that's awkward, isn't it? Yeah, it's not so bad. I could, if I wanted to, I could eat a veggie one. It wouldn't kill me, would it? But it might. You know, you never know. It might. Yeah. You still got your appendix? I think you might need that. You want to go veggie? <laughs> I have still got my appendix. Yeah, I've never. I've, I've been quite lucky with that kind of thing. Uh, although I am asthmatic, so I suppose that's my trade-off. Oh well. So um, I think the first port of call, you know, on on the script from Lee, even though, like I said, he has abandoned us, is the Farrell incident. So uh, I I know you said you've already taken uh, a a slight take on this on a different pod, but uh, mm. I, I I want I want to hear the the unabridged version. The yeah the uh, the unfiltered version. I know that judging by uh, Lee's Twitter, he had a pretty strong view on it, and he's been tweeting about it every ten minutes ever since. Um, so maybe it's a, maybe we're lucky he's not here. But no, my view when it happened in real life, uh, it's by real life I mean like live in the game before they showed the replays i was like check that because you know obviously you watch as much rugby as we do you get especially at the scarlet's how many believe red cards for high shots have we had so um i thought <clears throat> that looked like a high shot to me i wouldn't be surprised if the tmo comes back on that one and obviously they did when they showed the first replay i would i completely lost my head i was up on my feet swearing you cheating like Giving it both barrels, I was like, "Get him off! Get him off!" Like, kind of shot myself. I had to apologise to the girlfriend afterwards. I was like, oh, "I'm really, I'm sorry. I lost my head there." And she was looking at me like, "Give me the evils." Like, you'll scare the neighbours. You'll scare the neighbours. Um, so yeah, so I couldn't. I was because it's pent up, wasn't it? It was all. It's been. You'd say it's been coming, but it's happened before as well. And, you know, this was his officially his first red card at international level, even though I think we could all sit around and name probably two other red cards he should have had. Um, and it's just like, it, it wasn't like a one-off incident. You know, you can say about a lot of players, oh, it's a one-off. He's not that type of player or anything. It's not, it's not like that this time. This is a repeated thing. This would be, should have been his second ban this year for a high shot. Um, but obviously, mate, uh, no, turns out it wasn't even a red card because it was all Jamie George's fault for pushing St. Basham into his shoulder. But Jamie George doesn't get a sanction either. So, you know, I don't know. What about you, mate? The question for you was, you know, all the debate that I'd seen was about how long will the ban be, not whether, whether it was a red. So how, how long did it take for you to process that the red had been rescinded? I'm still processing it. I... I don't understand it. I I really can't wrap my head around. I like I I knew they I knew I thought he was going to get three weeks. You know, I the entry point would have been six, and I thought they would have gone. Oh, he'll apologise. He'll do this. He'll get his three week ban, and he'll just miss the first game of the World Cup, and he'd be fine for the rest. But for them to completely overturn it is an absolute 
joke and just shows how like how corrupt rugby is. You know, any I, I, I don't mean to I don't want to stereotype, but any Irish player or, you know, Owen Farrell, a high profile English player, how often do they get proper bans? You know? It just yeah. it just doesn't seem to happen and they don't get cited a lot either. Especially, you know, when you compare them to any other country's players, you know, even going Wales, Scotland, France, Italy, the rate of players getting cited and, and you know, entry point bans are a lot higher in every country outside of Ireland and England's high profile. I mean, I don't understand how they can claim that Jamie George did that. I mean, you've got to find the mitigation in there. And they couldn't find the mitigation on the field. So they've done a bloody good job to find it, you know, in the aftermath. I mean, even if he has, you know, pushed him over, which maybe. He hasn't. If you watch it, Shane Basham, is, Shane Basham is handing him off. If you actually watch it, it's a fend from Basham. It's not a push by George. George can't, is struggling to I think George maybe gets his fingertips to him. It's, there's no serious, there's no depth, there's there's nothing. There's, like, I think the biggest drop in height is maybe an inch, inch and a half, and that is nowhere near significant. And I, I've seen, you know, um, all the English fans going, looking at the video from behind, oh, look, his, his ankle is, like, on the, is on the grass, he's falling down. His height doesn't drop significantly. And they say, oh, look, he, he he was rapping with his outside arm, but that's not the arm that he, he hit him with. He didn't even hit him with arm, he hit him with his shoulder. And yeah. if you look at it from the, the infield view, you will see that he's tucked his arm to, to shoulder charge him. And yeah. for me, it, it doesn't matter, you know, if anything, you know, if there's a significant drop, if he's been moved over, you've gone to shoulder charge a player. That that's that's enough for a ban in itself. It doesn't matter where you make contact. Yeah, well, they they say, don't they, that under in pressure situations, people's instinct takes over, and in that situation, England were already down to thirteen by that point, and Wales start breaking up the pitch. Um, I think Sanjay got an offload to Shunza, who then got it to Rafael. So I, I reckon Far- Farrell's panicking. I reckon he because he, he's. I think he knows the context of the game because it was a World Cup warm-up, but it was a must-win for England. It was a huge game for for Borthwick and the English players. So I think he, it's it, like I said, the it's a pressure situation. The instinct has took over. Um, do you think players are coached to tackle like that in rugby union? Still, I'd like to think they're not, but I can't see the evidence to say otherwise. It, it still happens too often for it not to be coached. I mean, it's less of a problem up here than it is less in the like the South Sea Islands, but it, it's still a big issue. I, I know, like, just look at our game and, and England now, they're lowering the community game for the sternum and below. Now, yes, why, so why is everyone, other than the professionals, being lowered? You know, surely uh, your, your professionals are, you know, they're your role models, they're your guides. They are the ones that you know should be adapting first. You know, you're expecting these people who train once or twice a week to to adapt within a, you know a couple of training sessions. But you're giving professional players who train you know five day, mm-hmm. five six seven days a week sometimes. You're giving them years to adapt. So where's where's the logic? Yeah. Where's the fairness in that? And there's there's the other side of it too. I I I honestly think there should be a lower limit to tackle as well. Just because I've, it's Stan Lydia that's done this for me over the years. When he goes for that chop, how low he can go sometimes. It's dangerous tackling people through the ankles. You know, I I do think there needs to be, a, you know, a, a lower limit as well, as though you shouldn't be tackling below the, below the knees. Because, you know, your shoulders hitting shins or ankles, you can you could eventually break or do mess up ligaments and stuff it's just not safe hmm. it, how safe can tackling ever really be though because the argument is you know the argument that we get and Sean Edwards has always 
Sean Edwards came out today in the Daily Mail in his column and said it's a contact sport and this is what it is. Is that something that that you buy? Is is it just the nature of rugby? No, no, because you look at any decently trained, you know, age grade team between under tens all all the way through to youth, and you'll see the tackling is fine. There's minimal injuries. I know I know this is a is a broad spectrum, and there will be you know black spots here and there. But you go watch a uh, a juniors game, and there's not well, there's not not any at all. I don't think, and you know, you can ask most parents who've uh, who've grown up with their children through it. You very rarely see you know really bad high shots or you know repeat defenders. It's the way they're coached. It's a hundred percent how they coach and how they do it day in day out. Yeah. Well, I think that's it, isn't it? Because the law. The law doesn't necessarily say you can't tackle high. It says you can't touch the head. So, you know, it's my my issue with rugby laws so much is that they, um, they're they based on outcome rather, rather than action. So, like, take the Freddie Stewart hit on Josh Adams, for example, which some <laughs> people have said should be a red card as well. In terms of the rugby, like, frameworks for, the, for how they come to the decisions, I actually think a yellow card based on the president we've, we've had before, was correct in that the the rule is that if he lands on his side, it's not a red, it's only if it's on his head, it's a head. But I think that law is stupid because taking someone out in the air is one of the most dangerous things you can do. And it's absolutely not up to the player who commits the offence how the, the victim lands. So basically, if you put your arm out and cushion yourself if you've been taken out in the air, you've saved the other guy being sent off which is mad it should be completely on like Stewart has seen Josh Adams jump into the air carried on towards him and taken him out it was a reckless and dangerous act but the way that the laws are written is that that's not a red card and it's kind of the same you know I think Squidge Rugby did an analysis you remember when Charlie Yules got sent off in the first minute against Ireland and it was a head-on-head Squidge probably said, if you look at the sequence, every tackle, England made about 10 tackles in a row, every single one of them, the tackling pair, was upright. So it's obviously they've been told to be upright. And it's just on the 10th one, it was head on head and it was a red card. So being upright, being upright in a tackle is legal. It's only touching the head that's illegal. So that's what makes it stupid. And obviously that's, to your point, what you're saying about the the dichotomy of what the um, community game is, where you're not allowed to be upright. So obviously, that's the thing for me is, based on the community game rules, rugby obviously knows what it should be doing, but it's choosing, there's obviously pressures in the, inside the game not to. Yeah, and someone is saying we need to keep that sort of physicality there, or they don't think these players can adapt, which is, yeah. is stupid. E- either way, it's a very stupid decision to make. And I'm a hundred percent with you in regards to taking someone out in the air. And you know, Freddie Stewart, you know, he had time to duck and get out of the way. You know, it's it's not as though you know he looked at where the ball was and then he just saw Adams peering out in the sky. He was like, "Oh my god, I'm too close. I can't do anything." He looked at he looked at Adams. He looked at the ball. Looked at Adams. Looked at the ball, and then the contact happened. You can see his head moving back and forth, assessing where he is. So for him to yeah. take him out is 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 stupid. You know, it is it's something we shouldn't be seeing or at least not seeing as much as we are. And, you know, it's it's always the same thing with fullbacks and wingers. You always see someone get taken out in the air, even if it's just a little one, you know? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So coming to today's news then, so Murray Murray Kinsella has broken just in the last couple of hours on Twitter that World Rugby are considering appealing the the committee ruling, which shocked me. I really thought, and I said it on the other pod, I thought rugby would close ranks because I thought it wouldn't do for like those at the top of the game to be seen to be turning on each other. So I thought they would just go like, committee's made a decision. Hey, Lee's back. Hey. <laughs> no, um, I, I, I get you with that. And I'm I'm really glad that they're not... I'm glad that someone up there has gone, whoa, how have you let that happen? This isn't okay. I mean, 
uh, you can say is similar to what what happens in football. Like uh, I don't know if anyone watching this follows or you follow football, but um, Man United on Monday night apparently there was supposed to, there was basically a stone cold penalty for Wolves. It was yeah that that, that wasn't given, and you know literally within 15 minutes of the game ending, there'd already been, like, conversations from, like, the higher-ups saying they made the wrong decision. You know, they, they're they not... And and those referees or the VAR, I can't remember which one it was, you know, he's been out of action for this weekend. Yeah. So I don't understand but... why decisions like that can't be made in rugby. It's, you know, something... An error has occurred. Mm-hmm. We'll apologise. We'll deal with it. And, and that's that. Yeah. You move on. You know... It's human error, you know. People make mistakes. You you can't help that. What you can help is how you deal with it afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. They, so it like them being dropped. It, they've been Ben Whitehouse. They've been <laughs> taken out of action. Yeah, I knew that would get a reaction from Lee. He's nodding away in the background. I've I've hooked yeah. you in there, Lee. Yeah, I think you know. Sometimes you've just got to be honest with yourself as a as a professional whatever it is, if you're a referee or a CMO or whatever, and just got, you know, yeah, I got it wrong. Um, but then there's sometimes where this stuff happens and you're just kind of like, how can you get that wrong? You know? So, yeah. Uh, um, I'm, so I'm just catching up. I'm assuming we're talking about Farrell. Are we? We are. So I, I've just asked Martin the, the question, uh, are you surprised that world rugby has is appealing or it looks like they're appealing? Cause I thought they would close ranks. I thought they wouldn't turn on each other. Yeah. Well, I, I think they've taken a lot of learnings from what the WRU went through where WRU decided that they were better than public opinion. And uh, I think they got right royally shown that they weren't. And uh, I think world rugby are now looking at this and, uh, you know, if you've seen that the the reaction to this, World Rugby are going, well, if we don't do something, um, you know, the the big showpiece in four weeks' time is in danger of being overshadowed already. So, yeah, you know, referees make mistakes. Uh, for me, that card on on Saturday wasn't a mistake. It was absolutely bang on the right decision. And the mistake is to overturn it. So, yeah, so it is what it is. If you can afford to bring in a, 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 a KC to your rugby tribunal, then I guess you're always going to get off. So, so anyway, have you have you done Farrell to death? Have I have, have I missed that bit where you've done Farrell to death? Yeah, we we've kind of killed her a little bit. <laughs> we've we've gone beyond. We've discussed you know tackle heights, community games. Mm. We've moved on to Stewart taking out Adams and uh, you know everything involved with it. So it's 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 been a very hefty, very deep <laughs> few minutes conversation. Cool. So let's let's talk about the game then. Hugh, what stats have you got from that game that are gonna blow my socks off? Well, from a Welsh point of view, there's not many stats to talk about because we barely had the ball. So I think well, we we the possession stats aren't so bad, but I think the ball in play time was so um, low that um, that we didn't really, you know, there wasn't anything for any players to massively impress. I mean, Raphael got nineteen tackles, Lydia got eighteen, mm-hmm. which is high, I guess, but it's not like head the headline grabbingly high. Um, well, so to show you how much the ball was out of play, seventeen lineouts Wales had the potential of winning. Obviously, we decided we didn't want to win them in this game, um, which is the only logical explanation for being that bad. Um, so, yeah, so in terms of stats for, whale, for Wales, Liam Williams was top for carries with 15. Um, next highest Welshman was Tommy Reffo with nine and Tame Basham Madley with nine, according to Rugby Pass, even though he was on the, on the pitch for about 10 minutes, it felt like. Um I think the he's, he's of, in the record books for having the highest number of carries and the highest number of yards per minute on the pitch or something. I saw somebody saying that how many minutes he was on, how far he carried. Very, that's a very Opta stat. That's the kind of, that sounds like something that Opta would put out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I did see a stat that 
it appears to have been disproved, but I like it, so I'm going to pretend that it is true. Billy Vanapola, 11 carries, one metre made. <laughs> is apparently true. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I think the only other stat which kind of told the story of the game from a Welsh point of view, apart from lineouts, um, was uh, Thomas Williams got something like 40 passes. Uh, and the next highest was Owen Williams got 10, and then no other Welsh player got double figures in number of passes. <laughs> so that kind yeah. of tells you what our game well, plan was, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. So, Mark, take us through what you think went well for Wales and, and probably the bigger section, what didn't go well for Wales on Saturday? Uh, I'll, I'll try to start on a positive. I'll, I'll try. I mean, there, there's not there's not many positives out of that game. Uh, I thought there was a couple of decent, you know, individual performances. You know, obviously, Sanjay, Dean Williams, you know, everyone knows he, he played really well. I thought uh, Joe Roberts, he had he had a really good game, um, you know, especially considering the game plan we went in with. Felt you know, Revel had a good game as well. He, you know, he he showed up really well, and you know, maybe Thomas Williams and Reese Davis, you know, had okay games, but everyone else was just you know, average would have been an achievement, and that that really just sets the tone for what the game was actually like, you know. I don't think they know how to play as a team, which you know is obviously a massive problem. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to yes, see it again this week, just because of the selection that we've seen. It's just yeah, so you an, say an... that, but um, the entire pack was basically an Ospreys pack. Obviously, Gats thinks yeah. it's still two thousand and eight, and you could just pick an Ospreys pack. But you'd think they'd never played together before. They spent the whole of last season playing together. You'd think they'd never met each other. I couldn't believe I, it. I mm. know. Absolutely stupid. I mean, you know, one through to six from the same club for at least the last season. And it it was as if they didn't know each other. It was as if they literally just turned up to the park on a Sunday and they said, let's have a kick around. And, <laughs> and you know, the, the best forward of the lot wasn't even one of them. It, it was Revel. You know, um, I, I would say Basham, but he was, I don't think he's on the pitch long enough. To really put in that category, I'll, I'll I'll give him second. I will a hundred percent give him second. Mm. But uh, no, Revel, he he did his job, you know, and it was backwards for most of the game as usual. Uh, so I mean, where did you think the line? I mean, the line out and the set piece were the the key bits that just didn't function. Where did the line out go wrong for you on Saturday, Matt? Adam Beard. <laughs> Don't sit on the fence. Say what you feel. <laughs> Honest to God, he was the caller. He uh, eventually became captain, and no one knew what they were doing. I mean, obviously, we know Lakes, you know, throwing in is iffy at best, but they they didn't know who was jumping. They didn't know when they were meant to be jumping, and even when Parry came on and the first one went to hand, yay! Maybe it's going to be sorted now. We got someone who can throw properly. And then just more and more the same. It's obviously mass miscommunication there. Mm. And as the line-out caller, Adam Beard, it falls on him. And I've never been a fan of his. I'll openly say, like, I'll I'll talk to the guy myself. I'll I'll say, look, I I don't think you're a great rugby player. I, I really don't. I think you're quite lucky to be a professional. But you've you've done what you've done. You've got to where you are. I, I can't knock you for that. But honest to God, I don't understand how you're anywhere near this Welsh team. I, I really don't. Because there's, there's just no evidence. If you can show me evidence of the contrary, I'll, I might change my mind. But I don't see you carry. Your tackles are passive. And the one area of your game that you're supposed to be good at, the line-out, you've basically messed the entire thing up for a whole game. There's no coming back from that, not not as far as I'm concerned. Okay, so Hugh, <laughs> anything to add on Martin's uh, Adam Beard uh, fan club application? <laughs> I, I I don't have quite the same feelings on Adam Beard. I think you know I I, don't, I think he's got qualities, but uh, I think unfortunately, sadly, he he does. I agree that he has to take responsibility for 
the line out debacle because of the things that Martin said of he, he was captain at the time. He is the line-out caller. He became the line-out caller while Alan Wynn was still in the side. Um, and like I said, he's playing with all his Ospreys teammates. So if what you could see them looking at each other going, what are we doing? What are we doing? And that, unfortunately, him and I think, sadly, again, because he's a player that I've got obviously a lot of fond memories of, but Dan Lydia, unfortunately, I think, let himself down in, in the game as well. Do you, you would expect a player of that experience to to step up and do something about it. Uh, has Dan Lady captained Wales before? I think he has. Yeah, I think he did. But I think yeah. when he captained Wales is when he got injured. I think he was on the pitch for like about 15 minutes as captain and then he got injured, if I remember correctly. I might be wrong. But might be different matches. But still, yeah. still he, should be, he should be a leader in the team. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll come on to the team for this week later. Um, I think um, he's in last chance saloon. You know, um, obviously, Pivak brought him back. Gatlin has kept him around. Um, but yeah, the the lineup. I don't I don't blame the hooker. I think it was a a unit thing. Yeah, you could see they didn't know what they were supposed to be doing. Um, oh, I will give them one excuse, which is that I think Plumtree was supposed to be a big part of the lineup, and he went off um, injured. Um, and then obviously um, Beard got sin bins later in the second half, and then obviously Bastion went off. So by the time they got to the end, when it was really bad. I think their line-out options they had on the pitch were Shunza, Reese davis Lydiat, and Raphael. And that was it. Um, so I kind of I give them that sort of excuse. But Gatland made a point of it after the game. He said, I made a point of this week making sure everybody knew their roles. And on the pitch, you wouldn't believe it. And so he wasn't happy. So I think mm. there will be players who were dropped off the back of that. Yeah. See, for me, and, and I've said this, um, on a couple of podcasts last week. If your lineup isn't functioning, you need to have a backup option, whether that's, you know, forcing long kicks and then taking quick ta- uh, quick lineouts to your fullback or whatever, or running, you know, two, three, four-man lineouts. You, ha- you have to find a way of breaking up what the opposition do. Because basically all England did was throw a big man up at the front every time and we didn't have an answer for it. You know, there wasn't a, a, a wind up and an underarm throw to the prop. You know, there wasn't, a, okay, a, a, not a dummy throw, but a, a half throw and then a slower throw. There wasn't, you know, you know when we do the huddle, we, we have a little huddle. The point of that huddle is that that's where you make your call. That's where everybody understands. You send your hooker with the ball. So you come into the line out two three up gone the opposition don't get the chance to understand what you're doing and we didn't use any of those we just went front ball front ball front ball oh they're intercepting front ball oh middle ball oh bugger me they intercepted it at the front oh throw it over the top and it just didn't there wasn't that level of uh understanding of line out in there for me on that and you know, I thought there were positives in the game. I thought Joe Roberts massive positive. Um, I, anyone that <laughs> listens to me will know that George North is not an outside centre <laughs> in defence. And you know, Joe Roberts showed why there were three attacks from England in our twenty-two that Joe Roberts killed because he got his defensive positioning right. There was there was one incident in the whole game where Joe Roberts didn't get his positioning right, where he attacked the fullback, and the outside centre went in between him and uh, uh, the inside centre. But that was on the England 10-yard line, where you can take those chances up there. So, you know, for me, defensively, he was rock solid. Um, And then he tried a couple of times. If If you look early in the game, there's a couple of times where he stands up a prop and he goes around the prop, but the gap's filled by centre or whatever. When he was just in that straight situation, he had two centres in front of him, two of the fastest players in the English team, two centres, a step, he splits the two centres, and it's an inside ball for um, Thomas Williams for a fantastic try. So, yeah, I don't know how much more Gatlin wants to see from him, but for me, that, that books you see on the plane, because... 
that there isn't anybody else that's doing that for Wales. Yeah, yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. But he turned a three on three into a two on one. It, yeah. it was it was brilliant stuff. And people say always oh, bigger pass. Bigger was just passing the ball on. He didn't know what was going on. He was just moving the ball so he didn't get hit and held back. Mm. You know, Roberts yeah. is the one. He he saw the space. He I mean he showed the pace that we Scarlets know he's got. He showed yeah. that he has got that winger's pace. Um, boy, did he put it to good use. Mm. So. You know, that was last week's game. This week, a very, very different challenge against South Africa. Um, we won't discuss the, the South African selection because we're just going to go with it's absolutely massive. Um, Hugh, what, what can we expect from the side that South Africa have chosen this week? Well, blame Harley because Harley messaged me in the week and said uh, the box won't risk. <laughs> the, 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 the box will play he, he was saying they're going to play a proper hooker because they won't, won't want to risk both hookers and they won't risk the box because he's their only 10 and things so cheers Harley um, <laughs> that, that set us up lovely there boys um, it's going to be proper rugby um, from the box the, <laughs> the funny you might catch them a little bit cold so they've got Jaden Hendricks at 9 who is probably Maybe their fourth choice, nine, according to some people. Um, if you think Faf, um, uh, probably, uh, well, Grant Williams, if he, if when he's not got his head taken off by Argentinians, um, uh, probably would be uh, at least ahead of him. And they've got, um, Leboc and LaRue, um, playing together. Now, I love Manny Leboc, I think he's going to be a superstar of rugby, but he's not really played with LaRue that much, and LaRue likes to kind of take over. So Pollard, I don't want to call him a standing 10 because it's a bit disrespectful, but Pollard wasn't a runner, whereas Leboc is a runner. So I, I think that the box are kind of are going to have some figuring out to do. They've obviously got Lucanio Armies out. I'm just hanging on, my phone's obstructing the rest of the team. Uh, so they've got Dialendi at 12, but they've got Cheslin Colby. And they've got Kalen Moody, who a lot of people are excited about on the wing as well. But Jesse Creel, who divides opinion in South Africa, uh, a lot of people don't rate him um, and he sometimes covers the wing as well so you, you could say he's not had a ton of time at centre so I think from a backline point of view there's a chance that there, there's opportunities for Wales to exploit having said that you know they're with how unsettled they are they're more settled than us but I think from the pack so Gatland's picked the same pack for Wales barring injuries as he picked for the first game against England which I'm surprised. I thought Henry Thomas would come in. Mm. Kieran Azarati and Don Corey Domitowski, you're about to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> like, good luck, lads. Rather you than me. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it is going to be a tough one, isn't it? Particularly, I mean, they're young. They're not young kids, but it's um, it's a difficult one for them. So. Now, take us through the Welsh side. What can we expect from the Welsh side this this weekend? What can we expect from this Welsh side? Well, I'll be honest, not very much from looking at the selection. It's, it's, it seems like, you know, the third time in a row we've got a bit of a mismatch. Um, same front row that played most of the first game against England and got battered. So, you know, I can't imagine that scrum going much better uh, you know, I, I don't get the the fuss with Ben Carter I can see there's potential there but I, I don't think that he's ready for international rugby or for a long stint in international rugby we all know what Will Rowlands can do uh, we know what Lydia does same as Jack Morgan and Wayne Wright so you know there's not going to be much of the unknown coming from our pack, which mm. is a, a little bit disappointing considering, you know, we have got, you know, a, a couple of players we haven't seen. I know Teddy Williams is on the bench, but it probably would have been nice to get him in there just to have a proper look at him. Like we always knew Rowlands was going to be playing this game because he needed it for his 25th cap. Just so he was eligible. But, mm. uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, there's not really much in that pack. Um, there's, there's not much, 
not much carrying out of anyone in the front five other than Roland and you know he's he's a hit or miss with his carries as far as I'm concerned. Uh, back row, more or less the same again. Dan Lidget, he does when he does carry, he doesn't make much yardage. Jack Morgan and Aaron Wainwright are both good in space, but they're not overly effective in the tight. So going against South Africa, you know, a, a side who are renowned for keeping things tight and liking the boss around, it seems like a really strange decision to go with that pack. Mm. So <laughs> I, I don't know what your guys' takes on the forwards are, but that, that's where I'm standing. Mm, I'm, for me... There's a lot of players there that are in because they we haven't seen them so far. Um, you know, Ben Carter, we haven't seen much of. I think he had uh, he came on a sub um, against England first game. Kieran Hardy sh- should have started the last game, was injured. So, you know, Dan Bigger, we haven't really seen that much of. Um, I know we know what Dan Bigger can offer, but can he still offer that when you've got someone like Costello that can offer a lot, lot more? Um I'm surprised Sam hasn't had another go, to be honest. Mm. I, you know, I, is that just because he's ahead of Owen Williams now? Is that decision made? I, I think so. I think Owen Williams is kind of... Yeah, he, he's he's played himself out of contention to a certain extent. I think he's a great club player. Um, I still think he's better at 12 than he is at 10. But, um, yeah, I don't think he's been able to... If you look at uh, Williams and then you look at Costello and you look at who's made more of an impact on a game, you'd go Costello. Um, so I'd say it's you know bigger and Costello were one and two, um, and, and then we still got Anscombe that we still haven't seen. So I think I think Gatland will pick Anscombe even if he's able to get the right sticky tape. To be honest, mm. um, but I agree. I think my point about. Costello and Owen Williams is I think Owen Williams is where he is now. I think he's not going to get he's you know I don't know how old he is 31 32 maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I think Costello is at the still on the up as a player. So I mm-hmm. don't think he's hit his ceiling yet whereas I think Owen Williams probably has. Mm-hmm. Um but Sam's one of my favorite players anyway so I'm always going to back him. Well the the combination I am looking forward to where I think we can match the box is is 12 and 13. Um, because neither of those boys are small, you know. Um, Williams and Grady, I think they're both six foot three, 16 stone. Um, Grady is six foot five, so I can tell you now. <laughs> hang on, find the right note. Uh, from the right doc, hang on, bear with because I, I, I'm gonna have to pay him royalties if I talk about him anymore, but I was talking <laughs> to Harley again, hmm. and um. According to my research, Grady is the out-and-out biggest centre in the world. Wow. He is uh, 96 centimetres, 196 centimetres, and 110 kilos. He's bigger, he's taller and heavier than Jamie Roberts. Yeah. And and that's the kind of guy that you want going up against the Springboks, very much a case of um, horses for courses. But then defensively... Uh, if if there's any weakness, he's gonna get a find out. And and I think that's where Johnny Williams really comes into his own this week, where he has to control that line. He has to be talking. He has to be, you know, pulling the pendulum and he has to be pushing up and pulling back and all of this stuff. It's a big, big game for Johnny Williams. A massive game for Johnny Williams. Um, so every time he comes into a Welsh camp, he gets injured and then he goes out and then he has a couple of decent games and everyone goes, why is he in the Welsh camp? Let's get him in the Welsh camp. And then he gets injured. And you're just like, come on, let's let's just have a couple of games without an injury and let's show him what you can do. Because he can absolutely live with the South African centres. We, we've seen that in the URC. Uh, and yeah. Grady can as well. So, yeah, from that kind of thing... You know, Cuthbert is in there again because we haven't seen him. But I, I, I don't I, think Cuthbert's going. I think Cuthbert missed the two camps abroad. I think. But so did Johnny I think Williams. unless he does something. Yeah, mm. unfortunately, I don't think I'd be very surprised if Johnny goes as well. To be honest, because I think Flewellyn is nailed on, and I'll be shocked if Tompkins doesn't go. No, I'd I'd say, I'd say if he turns in a decent one this weekend. 
um, I would I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the plane, and that's why I think is a massive game for him. It's, he's only got the one shot, and but I I, I think it, interestingly I think kind of how one player goes it kind of affects other selections because say say as you say Johnny Williams does really well, but it, it would it doesn't really make any sense to me to pick Johnny Williams but then not pick Costello or Roberts as well. Why would you not? You know, mm. whereas if he's picking Thwellin, um, he's got to pick Grady. Mm. So um, I think that that combination, you know, coaches think in terms of combinations. So I think that's it's going to have a sway in that mm. sense. So the other player that um, I was going to ask you about, Mart, is Kai Evans coming on off the bench. I mean, you're you're a renowned full-back uh, expert. So, um, but apparently he's in there to cover 10 and 15 should the need arise. So what do you make of Kai <laughs> Evans being on the bench? I, I, all I can do is laugh. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I really don't. You know, he's he's, he's a young guy in, in terms of a professional player in Wales. He hasn't had a great deal of time, you know, with the Ospreys, you know, on, on the field. So it's it it really does mystify how he's going to be covering ten as well as a uh, fifteen. So I, I'm mm. I'm a little bit baffled. I'm actually quite surprised that Tom Rogers hasn't been given a crack at fifteen this week. But mm. you know, just I didn't expect Kai Evans to get capped after seeing the squad for last week. I I didn't expect him to get chucked in against the box. I really didn't. But so you can, know, it's uh, it's you, it's shocked me. That's hmm. uh, so that that's a nice one. It's uh, always good to get a shock every now and then. But can and you imagine, just... right? You imagine now he he comes on with twenty five minutes to go, yeah, and from that first scrum or line out, he's got the South African back row coming straight up at him. Uh, you know, he, so he's he's come on for bigger. And you go right. Here's the ball. The, the ball is going to come from a very dodgy um, line out, or possibly a scrum that's going backwards. And then you've got two out of the three South African back row coming to break your legs. Uh, one of them's going to break your legs, and one of them's going to break your ribs. Welcome to international rugby. I mean, <laughs> I. I haven't looked at the South African squad just because I don't want to see the state of what we're going to be facing. But I can imagine Khaleesi and Visa just charging him down, you know, late in the game. And he's he's never experienced anything like that. And it's going to be... And I don't want to say it's going to be a frightening prospect because, you know, he's a professional rugby player. Nothing should be a frightening prospect. But it's it's not going to be nice for the guy. Hmm. Hmm. So let's do a couple of predictions for this weekend then. So Hugh score prediction for the weekend. So the the Springbok fans won't like me saying this, but Wales South Africa has turned into a bit of a grudge match over recent years. The reason I say that is if I read some of these results, right? So from Going back a little bit, but 31-30, it's normally like two or three points. And so if, if we do get a Tonkin, it would be an anomalous result based on history. Um of course, I think the box squad is stronger than ours. Um, I think we've got a mix of players in, in last chance saloon, players who haven't had a go and players who are being played because he doesn't want to risk the players he really wants to pick. But I can see it being closer than people think. So I'm going to go... I'm going to go 1917 to the box. <laughs> God, if if we're nineteen seventeen uh, at any point in that game after the first ten minutes, then uh, uh, yeah, I'll be shocked. Mart, what, what uh, what's your pre- uh, score prediction for the weekend? As always, I'm going with my heart and what I would like to see rather than what I think I'll see. <laughs> so I'm going to go to a very similar score line. I'm going to go eighteen sixteen Wales. 
So normally when we do score predictions, I'm the one that people go, seriously, that's that's though you're just having a laugh now, aren't you, Lee? Um yeah, okay. Okay. So my prediction, uh, I just I, I I think Springboks are coming with a point to prove. I think they you know, this is their twenty-three, they're now fighting for starting lineup kind of positions. It is a bit of a strange squad um that they've chosen two hookers for scrum halves. But yeah, I just think the the issues we've had with the line out, um scrum's been okay, but I think scrum's gonna be a real, real big issue this weekend. Um so you go line out's an issue, scrum's more than likely an issue. Where are the spring box really, really strong and they're strong at set pieces and rucks. Um so I, I think we're in for a bit of a torrid time. Um, over the weekend, uh, yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna break with it's gonna be a close game. I think it's gonna be something like thirty fifteen, something like that. Um, I just think we're asking too much of of too many inexperienced players to go up against you know uh, potentially a, a a World Cup winning side. Um, so yeah, that's uh, thirty to fifteen in favour of South Africa. I hope it's not. I hope it's a lot closer, but hand on our, I just I cannot see it for this weekend. So so that's all the international stuff done and dusted. Okay. So um before the URC season starts again, we will be um starting with the local games, the um Community game, isn't it? That's, that's the level of sport, that community game. So this weekend, um, we, we missed this last weekend, but there are a load of friendlies happening as well. So I just wanted to use this to kind of explain to people how things are going to work through the season. So when we get to doing the, the, the community game stuff, we're going to split. So we'll record the Scarlet stuff or the Wales stuff and we'll put that together as one pod. But then we'll do the West stuff like we did last year. But then we're also going to cover the East. We had a lot of requests last year to cover the East stuff as well. So we're still fighting about who's East and who's West, (laughs) to be honest. Um, uh, Martin and Hugh are going to do the East and they want all the best sides um, and we all know that all the best sides are way out yeah. west. So it's going to be a bit of a bun fight for a couple of weeks. But... South Landovery. <laughs> yeah, where does Landovery sit in East? Oh, there I was. Yeah, don't I don't even let him, let him talk up to you already. There I was. <laughs> I know that. I checked the map. I had a look on the county lines. Ah, yeah, but it doesn't work on county lines. It works on District G and District... H or district, uh, whatever. Anyway, so <laughs> the so I got uh, confused because I looked on the on the WRU website. And obviously, they've split the Premiership into East and West, but I yeah. just had East in my head. So I'm looking in the East ones, and it's all teams <laughs> in Newport, and I'm like, there are no East teams. I don't understand. But then I, I twigged that we're still West. We're just yeah. the East of the West. The East of the West. So. um so we're, we're recording on, what day is it, Wednesday? Is it Wednesday night? Yeah, well, it's Wednesday night, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Wednesday. So um, interesting fixture this evening, Klangenich against Klandovry. So Klangenich newly promoted to the um, Premier, uh, the Championship West and Klandovry still obviously in the Premiership. So um, that'll be an interesting game just from... Uh, 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 an east of the west kind of setup. Yeah, um, well, it should be into the second half right about now, if I'm right. Yeah, I haven't checked Twitter to see where they are, but uh, hang on, I'll search. Different every yeah. live tweet, we'll find out. Clangenics yeah. are always good for tweeting. So, um, game tomorrow. Clangenics seem to have a game tomorrow as well. So I'm assuming it'll be like a Clangenics development side tonight against Clangenics, and then. There we go. At half time, it was 17 5 to Klangenich. To Klangenich. Uh, so, yeah, yeah that's going to be Klangenich development side then, and their main side's going out tomorrow against Bridgen. 
So are any of these, as I scroll down this rather attractive page here, Mark, are there any sides in the East that I completely ignore? Because I'll be honest, I'm very West-centred. So are yeah. there... I'll be honest, mate. I've got. A, I'm looking at this through a cracked phone, and I can't see very well. There's nothing so, jumping out at me at the minute. I'm. I'm really staring hard. Hmm. You know, um, I see Aberystwyth in there somewhere. Yeah, uh, Aberystwyth Aber on a plane aside called Sefton. Furness, oh. I see Furness. There I was. Yeah. Lan yeah. as well. Uh, uh, Newcastle, England, St. Peter's. Uh, yeah, it's a weird one, this, isn't it? Um, because none of it normally when we do this, we've got it all set and it's all kind of and this, we've got to kind of go through it and, and pick it out. So, uh, the Kamarthanas, the Kamarthan East, yeah, no, oh, yeah, oh, bugger, yeah, Kamarthan are East, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't even try. Come on, they're playing. I, I've never, I've never heard that. He described as East before. <laughs> yeah, but they would, wouldn't they? Because we we kind of said we were going to cut it off at um, St Clair's and Lawn and Whitland, that kind of area. That's kind of between East and West. So Carmarthen would be East, and like you say, yeah, they're playing Cambridge, which is an interesting one. Um, so Haverford West are away to Betters as well. Interesting thing from Haverford West. Haverford West have provided a prop for the Barbarians game against Western, uh, not Western Samoa, against Samoa on the weekend. So, um, oh, indeed. yeah, Scarlet's uh, favourite, Rob Evans, uh, who is now signed for Haverford West, is his home club but is actually playing for the Barbarians against Samoa on Saturday. So, yeah, I think that's the first player from Haverford West who's been signed to Haverford West while they played for the Barbarians. So, uh, yeah. Um, interesting. That's, that's going to go right up next to his Grand Slam jersey, I think, on his wall. Yeah. Grand Slam for Wales. <laughs> represented, yeah. represented Haverford West with the Barbarians. Yeah. Because he'll have to have his blue and white socks, which will be really weird as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, as we come down, so we've got Narbeth and Cross Keys. So that'll be an interesting one because they were pretty closely matched last year. But I think Cross Keys are East, Championship East now, aren't they? So, yeah. yeah. Um, so so the, only, the, the only one that I've got down as a maybe that I... Um, we haven't mentioned haven't mentioned is Ammonford. Yeah, so they definitely be east. So where's Ammonford? Did we see Ammonford? Oh yeah, Ammonford and St. Genev. Yeah, that's up there. Uh Commanding Quinn's Cambridge. We did that one. Now, these aren't one of our sides, but I just like the name Dings Crusaders. No idea where they're from, no idea what they play like. I bet they've got a really cool kit as well with like stars and sparkly bits and hidden no, made by Macron. Everyone's made by Macron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kidwelly Command and Athletic will be an interesting game as well. Uh, then we've got Pembroke Tumble, Pembroke Duck Quinn's Fairwater. Dings uh, Crusaders have got a nice crest. <laughs> You've Googled them, haven't you? I've Googled them. It, they look a bit. It looks a bit like Nice badge. Where are they from? I don't know. I'm looking for Shaftesbury Park. The venue is called, I think. Right. So they're uh, um, way up in in England, aren't they? They got a link on their website for it, but you click it, it didn't take you anywhere. <laughs> this is huge. They got sponsors. Huge. They seem. They, we're, we're discovering this together, guys. <laughs> They got sponsors. They're sponsored by ACF Team Building and Events. Have they got a cool kit though? Have they got a cool shirt? The shirt is uh, blue and black with uh, yellow detailing. Not exciting then. <laughs> so I'm determined to find out where they're from. <laughs> well, do you do that, um, and then we'll go. Uh, Whitland Nankaredi could be an interesting game as well, particularly the, the problems that Whitland had last season and Nankaredi. Oh yeah, a bit of a, a, bit of a role. Um, 
Yeah, and I think that's it for. Did for, I mean? Did we? Uh, did you get in Hendy into Christ? Oh, did I miss that one now? Uh, oh, Bristol. They're from Bristol. They're from Bristol, are they? Yeah. That was worth it, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't see Hendy into Christ. Oh, there we go. Yeah, Hendy into Christ. Yeah, so that's another one. Uh, the top there. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, there's a whole load of friendly matches on over the weekend. So, yeah, by all means, promote your friendly game on our um, Facebook page. Let people know what's going on, particularly with, you know, the Welsh game being played. So get your kickoff time on there as well. And whether or not you're showing the game in a bar after, because, um, you know, the whole point of, of what we're trying to do is, is to push people into local clubs, into community clubs, at the same time as we bring them to Parker Scarlets to watch a different level of rugby. You can do the two. You can go and watch uh, Pembroke Dockwins and Scarlets and enjoy watching both. So, yeah. So next week, we'll, we'll actually go through and, and have, a, have a bit of a chat before and, and work out who's playing and all of that kind of a stuff. But there's plenty of stuff to be watching in your local game this weekend so do get out and and watch it because sometimes you find that the the pre-season game tends to be a little bit more open and fluid and a little bit more fun to watch so yeah and and lee um i, I don't know how to say this Go on. but um I, I think there's there's an actual pembrokeshire cup game going on tonight Really? I think Milford Haven I think Milford Haven and Aberaeron are playing tonight. Oh yeah, I think I did see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I with all due respect, Pembrokeshire Cup is uh, an absolute shambles at the minute. It, it it really is. It used to be Maybe nice. Yeah, I know, but it used to be such a big thing in everybody's calendar. It used to be massive. It used to be, you know, everybody used to go to the final. It was it was huge. And then there was a fuss about Narbeth and Whitland, you know, because they were way up top and they were playing like Langham yeah, that had, you know, and, and they they were just winning it consistent. I think about ten years, maybe longer. It was just those two in the final, and nobody could get close. Um, so I think things are different now. I think you know, there's a couple of other sides that can challenge. But those two are still a mile ahead, so they got removed from the cup, and then they put their second team in, and then there was issues with how many first team players are, are in the second team, and all of this kind of stuff, and it just kind of lost its feeling within Pembrokeshire, and and even now, you know, playing the first round of the cup on the sixteenth of August because the rest of the season is so crowded and there's not enough time. Um, and I can guarantee there'll still be the quarterfinal will be played two weeks before and the semi-final will be played a week before the final. It it just that's the way it goes at Pembroke. Well, isn't the first round of the Pembrokeshire Cup the quarterfinal? Sometimes it is. There, there was a there was a ridiculous <laughs> situation um first season just before COVID where Krimer had made the final without playing a single game. Uh, everybody else, uh, every time they went to play Krimmer, they had to pull out and then they couldn't play. So they had to forfeit games and Krimmer made the final without playing a single game. I'm sure it was Krimmer. So, yeah, it, it needs a little bit of a rethink and a little bit more um, oomph behind it. You know, I, I'd be all in favour of playing it at the end of the season, week after week, and you go, right, round one, quarter-final, semi-final, final. Bang, 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 bang. And everybody knows where they are then. But that's just me being Wait, crazy. You could do it at, at the start of the season as a sort of, you know, as a friendly warm-up. Do it like a seven system where, like, mm. you know, you lose your first round, you go into the plate, you know, because there's not that many teams to keep mm. it going for, you know, three, four weeks. Mm. But if you, if you did it like that, then you, you'd know you've got a definite thing, you know. That's round one. And if you get through round one, you're playing in the quarterfinals. If you get through the quarterfinals, you're playing in the semifinals. There, there's no ifs, buts, and maybes. But anyway, here we go. Right. So uh, we will do this again next week, gents. 
we we will we'll have plenty to discuss next week because we'll have a Welsh rugby World Cup squad to discuss. Uh, there isn't much Scarlet's news at the minute, so we'll stick with what we've got. We will... I have completely talked myself into believing the Wales' best backline is the Scarlet's backline, by the way. I've completely <laughs> thought. Well, you've got to have... You've got to have Gareth Davis and you've got to have Sam Costello. So you might as well yeah. have Johnny Williams. And if you've got Johnny Williams, you've got to have Joe Roberts. And then why not have Tom Rogers on the wing? And then Sanjay and Lee Alfenny, they're both Scarlets, really. So there you go. So there you go. So it's <laughs> 100% Scarlets back line. And then same Plumtree at eight. So you have eight to 15, all Scarlets. And then it works. Just think about it, guys. Well, it's and then Jack, Jack Morgan, he was a Scarlet, really. <laughs> Yeah, we'll discuss that next week, mate, because that, that's Martin's <laughs> starting point, mate. So, <laughs> but we will discuss the, the squad selection. We'll discuss the uh, uh, South Africa game and any other points that come up in the meantime. So thank you for your time tonight, gentlemen. It's been an absolute pleasure. Genuinely has been. And we'll catch up. We'll do it all again next week. Enjoy your rugby until then, gents. Cheers, guys. Awesome stuff, that's great talking to you both. Thank you for listening to this week's show. Please subscribe and share as it really helps to grow the Scarlet's family. You can contact us in all the usual social media platforms or on scarletspems at gmail.com. Join us again next week for more of the same. And in the meantime, enjoy your rugby. Podcast Network.